afternoon with my good friend and colleague Crystal Hardin. Uh, many of you from St. Michael's will remember, remember Crystal from her days as our seminarian um, and it's been quite a while since then. Uh, Crystal, thank you so much for being here with me this afternoon and truth be told I will share with our listeners this is the second time I have asked you to do this interview because I had technical problems the first time. So not only is she gracious enough to be on the podcast, but she is gracious enough to do this interview twice. So Crystal, thank you. Thank you. And would you just share with our listeners a little bit about who you are and what your current context is for ministry? Yeah, sure will do. And I should say that like when you um, ask for forgiveness for the first time we did this being messed up, I felt like I couldn't say no, given the topic of this <laughs> forgiveness. So, well played. Well played. Thank goodness. <laughs> um, yeah, so I can I can tell you a little bit about um, who I am in my context. Um, I am originally from Alabama, which you can probably hear in my voice. Um, you know, it stays with a person. And I grew up in the Southern Baptist tradition. So I was baptized into um, the Southern, well, into the, the Christian faith, obviously, but within the Southern Baptist uh, variation of that family. And sort of went off to college and left the organized church behind for a while um, until I sort of discovered the Episcopal Church in law school. Um, so obviously I went, I went to law school and um, did that for a very brief time before having children and, you know, sort of decided to stay at home with my children and get my life together, which having children and getting your life together at the same time is <laughs> interesting. <laughs> but I knew, I knew there was something tugging at me, which now I have the words for, like I knew I was being called into discernment and into conversation with God around what my vocation would be. But at the time, I just felt like, goodness, uh, being a lawyer of the variation that I wanted to be and giving myself to these children is really difficult, um, especially here, honestly, um, in Northern Virginia, DC metro area. It's, it's really tricky people um, work really long, really hard. And my husband is one of those people. And so, you know, we sort of made the decision that I would stay. 
at home. And during that time, um, I eventually discerned a call to the priesthood. So I, I am just a recent graduate of, of Virginia Theological Seminary. And I was acting as seminarian at Christ Church in Georgetown um, during seminary, in addition to doing a, a brief, uh, a too brief summer at St. Michael's um, with you all. And after seminary, Christ Church hired me on um, to come work there full time. And so I was there until recently um, when in September, I took on a position at St. George's in Arlington which was actually my sending parish before seminary um, and the only Episcopal parish that I was ever a member of uh, before going to seminary. So it's a lot like coming home, but you know, obviously it's a little more complicated than that, but I'm so glad to have, have found my way back to the Diocese of Virginia, which I love and especially back to a parish that, um, that I really just love and admire in, in all kinds of ways. Wonderful. Thank you, Crystal, so much. Uh, I'm just going to jump in to the to the deeper questions about forgiveness and and start by asking you, how does the need to forgive and to be forgiven play a role in your life and ministry? And and as you've mentioned, um, you're a mother, um, you're a spouse, you are a priest, um, and you were a lawyer. And and so I just want to invite you to answer that question from whatever way. Um, kind of speaks to you this afternoon. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's really fascinating that you asked me to do this when you did, because I had been doing a lot of thinking about forgiveness and mercy. I, I say mercy a lot in place of forgiveness and, uh, you know, it's debatable whether those two things are interchangeable, but sometimes for me, they are. Um, and I, you know, I'd been doing a lot of thinking about forgiveness, especially in our current climate. Um, you know, I think we're we're sort of in a climate that is recognizing, um, you know, in a way that it needs to, that we have some reckoning to do, right? You know, as people, um, as a faith, frankly, you know, as, as churches, we have some reckoning to do. And, you know, we really need to name those things that have been wrong and seek to work towards um, reconciliation and communion with one another and with God in the way that we were intended to be. And so, you know, there's all of this talk going on. And we also are in this political climate that we're in, where it seems like people really don't want to come together. Um, and questions of how quickly should we come together? You know, is, is unity the goal? Is the goal something else? And I think the goal is, is something a little different than unity. Um, all of those were swirling around in my mind. And I was thinking about all of those things when you sort of invited me to be a guest on this podcast. Um, so I'm really grateful for the chance to continue thinking about them. And I think that one of the things that strikes me about, you know, the need to forgive um, and the need to be forgiven is that it's sort of a really overlooked spiritual discipline. I mean, I, I particularly these days, um, and I think somewhere, I think that's because somewhere along the way, you know, some lies were told about what forgiveness even is. Um, and, you know, like, I think that people think of forgiveness as a one-time event, you know, rather than a discipline, a craft that you have to really work at in practice. Um, I think people think that forgiveness is antithetical to justice. Um, and that's just not true for me. I think people think forgiveness is weak. 
you know, that forgiveness is actually the weak way to go. Um, I think people think forgiveness is a feeling <laughs> and I don't think it is a feeling. Um, so all of those things I think have led us to just sort of look at forgiveness in the wrong light. And I think the need to sort of get real about what it is that we mean when we say forgiveness as priests, as parents, as spouses in our own lives and the lives of those um, that we come into contact with. I think the need to sort of get real about that and to really claim forgiveness as a spiritual discipline um, is really important for us and for our sort of current culture where we're finding ourselves these days. That's really helpful. And I wonder if, um, so you said a couple of things that I really have me thinking. Um, so if, if forgiveness is not weakness, if forgiveness is not antithetical to justice, um, which I would love for you to play either one of those out, but, but, but then what, and it's not a feeling, right? Um, what is it? How, how do you, I mean, how someone comes to you in your office in a time when we could meet each other in offices in person, um, and says, how do I forgive my sister? Um, what, how do you, how do you conceptualize and make real the, what, what forgiveness is and what it requires of us? Sure. Yeah. I think that that is so tricky. Um, I, I have found that, you know, in my relationships with people who've come to me seeking that sort of advice or, just wanting to know how do I forgive other people? How do I forgive myself? Which is a very is a different question um, and requires a different response. But you know, the way I sort of conceptualize forgiveness is that um, you know it's about looking really hard at what happened. You know, acknowledging what happened. It's not trying to act like it didn't happen or acting like it didn't matter because then what would be the purpose of forgiveness? If it really doesn't matter, you don't really need to forgive anyone, right? So to look really hard at what happened, to name the wrongdoer, if there is one, because sometimes that's, you know, a question. And then to make a choice, I think, to sort of release yourself and the other person of the burden of what happened so that it doesn't become a barrier to future relationship. And I guess that's what I mean by, you know, when I say that forgiveness isn't antithetical to justice. I think forgiveness is your first move, right? Forgiveness is sort of making a choice within yourself to set aside sort of the anger and resentment and all of those feelings that we have. I mean, acknowledge your feelings certainly, but set them aside if they're a barrier towards the move to understand, to reconcile, to bring into communion with. Um, I think too often we try to do it the other way around. We only want to forgive after the other person has made their move. Mm. And we can't, you know, what I always sort of tell people and tell myself is we can't force other people to ask for our forgiveness. We can't force them to accept our offer of forgiveness. We can't force them to be better people, frankly. All we can really control is our ourselves. And I think that that need to forgive, you know, is to be reminded of, you know, some of Jesus' last words from the cross, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And I think just that letting go, that open, you know, that open heart um, is, is a really important stance to take when you're doing this sort of work of 
trying to bring people into right relationship. It's really important. Thank you so much. Can you share a story uh, about a time when the inability to forgive left, left a lasting impact? Um, so sometime when you or someone else or a story that you know of just uh, when, when that inability to, to move through the forgiveness as you've been talking about um, left a wound. Sure. Yeah. So I can, I can think of two things and there, you know, one is more abstract. So it's, um, you know, I think what I've seen a lot, I, I sort of named that like, and I'm sure you know this, Beth, that that question of how can I forgive myself is a question that we get a lot. <laughs> um, even as a new priest, I've gotten that question. So it's the question I have actually gotten the most, yeah. right? How do I forgive myself? Um, and I think that although this is not a, a particular story, because I can't, you know, really, really share the particulars of those events, I think that that, that forgiveness of self um, can really be a barrier towards, you know, from forgiving others, right? Um, and not because we, not because of, of of the reasons you might think, right? Because obviously you think, well, if a person's not willing to forgive, they usually won't forgive themselves that, you know, it's not really the type of person. I think it's about self-worth. I think the idea of forgiving yourself is, is not so much looking and saying, oh, well, what I did actually isn't as bad as all that, or, you know, actually I'm not that bad after all, let me treat myself to some forgiveness. (laughs) It's not that sort of thing. I think it's about you know, being rooted in your belongedness to Jesus, right? And knowing that there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God, nothing. You know, that that your sin, whatever it is that you're holding on to, whatever wrongdoing, however you've hurt other people, that that's the least interesting thing about you to God. Mm-hmm. The least interesting thing. And I think so often we think that that is what God is holding on to, that that's all God sees when God looks at us. And actually, I think that's the least interesting thing. I think that we're the ones who are holding it up and wanting someone to see it um, because we don't truly believe that we're worthy of love um, and of a full kind of love. And that can be a barrier because if we can see our own belovedness, we can see the belovedness of other people. Mm. We can see that like, oh, actually, I'm extending my forgiveness to another child of God rather than to that person who harmed me. And so I think that that inability to forgive yourself can create lasting impact, you know? Um, And I'll say, you know, when I, so the work that I did as a lawyer, as a law student and as a lawyer was capital defense work. And so I worked with people who were facing the death penalty, Um, you know, either at the front end, um, sort of helping them navigate and try to get away from a charge that would put the death penalty in play or on the back end, um, you know, working uh, in the mitigation field. So, you know, for lack of better words, trying to convince the jury that this is a person, that what you see in front of you is not just the worst thing this person has ever done, but this is actually a person who grew up, who had a childhood, who had a life, who might have a mental illness, who might you know, have, have dealt with some hard stuff, just trying to round out the person so that maybe, maybe they won't kill them. Right. And that's, 
you know, that's really what's happening there. And I think that in my work in that field, when you're really sort of facing the worst, right, you know, the people that I helped represent really had done horrible things, um, sort of unspeakable things. And doing that work opened me up to the idea that, you know, when we forgive someone, it's not just that we're releasing them, right, from what they've done, because that's not actually what we're doing. We're really releasing them from the burden of our anger, and we're releasing ourselves from that burden, which is almost just as important. You know, there are a lot of consequences when we can't release ourselves from the burden of anger and resentment. I mean, it's, it becomes a really crippling emotional state to hold on to those things. And you begin to, when you get in that emotional state, and I've seen this time and again, you can become very committed to the eye, to almost a lust for vengeance as if that will somehow give you what you want. And it never does. Mm. Um, and so I think that that inability to get there, to release someone from that burden, um, can really do horrible things to people and make them do horrible things to others. And I think that our society is such a prison based one. If we can just put all the bad people away, if they could just pay for what they've done, we'll all be fine. And yes, prison serves some purposes, but I think we build a prison. <laughs> we put ourselves in prison when we won't forgive and we won't see the humanity in other people. And so I think forgiveness, asking for it, giving it to other people is about releasing ourselves from prison in some ways. I love that language and that metaphor you've just used, because I was going to say, it, it sounds from both the examples you've just given of um, forgiveness for self and forgiveness for those in the criminal justice system. Um, forgiveness is a key component of your theology, of our theology, of um, understanding who God made us to be and how God continues to work in our lives. And, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I think a part of what you're saying is um, if we can't learn how to forgive on all different levels, um, we're, we're effectively, uh, we're effectively setting ourselves up to fail. Um, yeah. and, and, and in many ways, but, um, this act of learning to practice forgiveness, as you mentioned at the beginning, it's not a one-time deal. It's a spiritual discipline that we enter into over and over again, is so key to how we live as Christians. Is that, is that what you're getting at? Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. I mean, you know, think about it this way, and this is, you know, something that's, it, this is not easy for me either, right? It's not like I have this figured out and I'm a forgiving person. I'll tell you that I'm really not actually. <laughs> um, I have to really work at it, but you, when someone wrongs you, you become, you were in relationship with them in some way, right? They couldn't have wronged you. And even in their wronging, right, they create a relationship with you. And we can choose to continue to be in relationship with that wrongdoing, right? Or I guess it's better to say we get to choose what kind of relationship we're going to be in. We're the only ones with power over that. And it's, it's really between us and God, um, how we hold that. So this person who has done something awful to me, who has hurt me, I can choose to continue to be in relationship with that person through that hurt, or I can choose to be in a relationship with that person through forgiveness and through the move towards reconciliation. And what that person wants to say or do about it really means nothing to me. I mean, I can't control that. 
but I can control whether I'm going to continue to be open-hearted. That doesn't mean, you know, putting myself at risk. It means what is my posture towards this relationship going to be? Because when someone has wronged you, especially when they've done real harm, um, you know, in the, in the criminal justice system, anyway, it was life or death. You know, this person has killed someone that I loved. How do I forgive that? The, the questions now, how do I live in relationship to that person? Because you're always going to, that person now has become a part of your narrative right. and there's no getting away from that. And so how do we adjust that narrative for ourselves? How do we get to a place where like we are freeing ourselves from the prison of that anger and that guilt and that resentment? And how do we just get to a place where we can see the life that might come of it? And I think that that's really, it's hard. Um, you're reminding me of, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just going to say, that's why I think it's a discipline. You know, I think it's something that we really have to work at. It is not a one-time thing for sure. You're reminding me of, um, in the second to last session of the sacred ground curriculum, uh, which many folks from St. Michael's are currently engaged in, um, there's a, a video on restorative justice. And, um, there's a quote in that video that says, um, hurt people, hurt people mm-hmm. and healed people, heal people. And I, that quote has really stuck with me. Um, and, and I'm, I'm struck by kind of the stories you're sharing, you know, it's not just the people in the confines of those prisons, right? It's not just the people whom we want to restore to society in air quotes. Um, it's us. It's, it's the people who are locking those people away in prison. It's, it's all of us if we continue to allow ourselves to be hurt, um, we will continue to hurt people. But if we are able to be healed um, by the mercy and grace of God, then we are also able to help heal people. Um, I think you've really kind of opened that up for me in a new way. Yeah, that's interesting. St. George's is also doing that curriculum and it's amazing, um, but we aren't, we aren't there yet. <laughs> so I look forward to it. Um, but yeah, I think that's true. Social scientists tell us that that's actually part of one of the avenues that you go down um, with mitigation defenses for your clients. When you're working death penalty cases, you look and see like, you know, what in their past has led them to this behavior. And can we argue that? You're right. Um, and, and that's true. Social scientists do tell us that hurt people hurt people. Right. And, and that sort of thing runs through us. Um, and that's why forgiveness can be such a pa- that can be such a powerful move, not only for us, but for the generations that come after us. Even with our own within our own lineage, it shapes the story. Um, and I think that that's such a a powerful thought to think that you this is the control that you have. We we can't keep people from hurting us, really. Okay, even if we shut ourselves in a box, eventually we have to deal with someone in relationship. We have to open ourselves up to being hurt. That's what it means to be alive. Um, So we can't help that. We have to give up that control. But what we can control um, is our narrative around what we do about it when we are hurt and the way that we respond and the way that we invite other people um, to see their stories in us and in the way that we respond, which I think is interesting. And, you know, Brian Stevenson, who I'm sure that St. Michael's knows, I think I've preached about Brian Stevenson at St. Michael's. Uh, So if anyone was listening, which they might not have been, um, you know, Brian Stevenson, who works at the Equal Justice or runs the Equal Justice Initiative um, and is sort of a household name, thanks be to God now. But 
you know, he, he sort of says that too. He says, you know, we're all broken by something. We've all hurt someone. We've all been hurt. And that shared condition of brokenness, actually, even though our, our different brokenness is not equivalent, right? That shared brokenness is actually what connects us to one another. And that is far more powerful um, than retribution in the end. It will do more for us if we can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Deep thoughts from Crystal Harden. Um, I want to turn now and look at this litany of reconciliation from Coventry Cathedral, which we have been praying at St. Michael's and just ask you if there's anything about it, a line, a phrase, or, or, or any piece of it that's particularly challenging or, uh, convicting for you. Yeah. Uh, deep thoughts. Well, Beth, this is going to make me sound really bad because <laughs> I've been doing all of this <laughs> talking about forgiveness as if I'm some kind of spiritual Jedi or something. Um, and you know, what's funny is I did look at this litany before we met, um, the last time and then this time, and I had hoped that between the last time and this time, uh, my answer would be different, but it's not. Um, and you know, I think in looking at it, I pray it and I, And I'm like, yes, amen, you know, to like all of that. Like, yes, I am very aware of that. Very aware of that. Like, yep. And then, you know, you get to the one where it says, uh, for our envy of the welfare and happiness of others, Father, forgive. And man, that's like a gut punch because because you would think that um, that would be easy. It would be easy to want the happiness of others, right? Like, of course, I, I am happy when others are happy, right? Like that's what nice people do. Um, and yet I find that that is just really hard, that there's something in me, you know, when you're like scrolling through Facebook and someone's gotten their vaccine or <laughs> whatever it is, vaccine envy is the new thing. I just read that like in the times this morning. So that's why I bring that up. But, you know, it's, it's that can be hard for me. It yeah. can be hard for me to see people happy and sharing their happiness. And it's something in it, just, especially if it catches you on the wrong day, like on a day when you're really sort of frustrated or low, or you've been working really hard and it's not being acknowledged, you know, name the things, right. That put you in that space where when you see it happening for someone else, your first thought is not joyful, joyful, like good, like wonderful for them. I'm so happy. Your first thought is like, what? Like they don't work half as hard as I do or like, you know, like what are they doing over there? Why are people recognizing them and not me? Like they're not even, and that I've, you know, father forgive because (laughs) that is not the stance I want to take. That's not what I want my posture to be in the world. I want to be someone who really wants for the welfare and happiness of other people. Yeah. No, I appreciate you sharing that. That's, that's so vulnerable and honest. And I, and I think a lot of people will relate to that. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I feel that has been made more challenging in the last year when we have been physically separated from one another. Um, we don't come to the communion table together. We don't, um, we're just not in proximity to be reminded of one another's humanity, as you, as you said at the beginning. Um, so I, I really appreciate you sharing just that honest, you know, that honest thought. Cause I think a lot of folks will, will relate to that. Yeah. I think, I think you are right that it is especially hard when we're not together, you know, when we're reduced to the 
Facebook news reels of our life. Like, and we're not getting to have those conversations. I mean, the question really is, is, is Facebook, is social media real relationship? And I question whether it is, um, it can be, but oftentimes it's not because we're only getting one side of the story. Um, and in COVID tide, (laughs) you really are only getting so much of one side of people's story, you know, like you're getting what they choose to share. Um, and sometimes it's the worst of them and sometimes it's the best of them, but you're missing all the in-between, um, and I think that's one of the things that I, is one of the graces of this time is it's sort of reminded me and I think many of us that the in-between, you know, the little things are so important, are so important in life and, and being together in those little things in those in-between times when nothing really is going on. So important. I miss it. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I miss it too, Crystal. I miss you um, not being a square on my screen, but um, on my back porch uh, <laughs> and visiting right. with one another. <laughs> uh, but thank you again for your just sharing your perspective and your experience with forgiveness with us this afternoon. I am very grateful and know that everyone um, will be thankful to have heard your reflections as well. So thank you. Please stay well. And um, God willing, this, this recording will have worked this time. (laughs) Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much, Beth. And hello to everybody at St. Michael's, some of the best people ever, as you know, I agree. (laughs) Take care. All right. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The hatred which divides nation from nation, race from race, class from class. Father, forgive. The covetous desires of people and nations to possess what is not their own. Father, forgive. The greed which exploits the work of human hands and lays waste the earth. Father, forgive. Our envy of the welfare and happiness of others. Father, forgive. Our indifference to the plight of the imprisoned, the homeless, the refugee. Father, forgive. The lust which dishonors the bodies of men, women, and children. Father, forgive. The pride which leads us to trust in ourselves and not in God. Father, forgive. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you.